The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. The Explorers podcast is sponsored by RM Capital, a provider of specialist, small to mid-cap corporate advisory and boutique wealth management services. This is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perra columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Now, while the WA scene likes to shout about things from the rooftop, in South Australia's minerals exploration scene, they tend to do things on an understated basis. Take the Air Peninsula, known to most of us for its copper and gold. It is quietly building a reputation as a battery and critical minerals province, thanks to occurrences of graphite and alumina-based clays of kaolin and halicite. Some real value is being created too. Stock exchange listed Andromeda is now a $400 million company on the strength of its kale and halicide project. And Renascor is a $250 million company on the strength of a graphite project. It's into that space that iTech Minerals, with the I being lowercase, is about to start swimming on completion of a $5 to $7 million IPO. At the issue price of 20 cents, it will be a $17 to $19 million company. It's expected to trade under the code ITM, or India Tango Mike, around late October. iTech is a spin-off from Arch Materials, which is now focused on the world of semiconductors and quantum computing, with iTech picking up the running on projects Archer has been advancing over the years. It means that iTech is not your average explorer starting from scratch. It comes to the exchange with KLN Halicite projects on the Air Peninsula, about 70 kilometres from Wyala, and across at the Franklin Project, about 50 kilometres from Port Pirie. It also has a very advanced graphite project on the Air Peninsula and some interesting copper, gold, silver projects on the Air Peninsula and over in the Nakara Arc where it's chasing some interesting ge- geological theories. Now, we have iTech Managing Director Mike Schwartz with us today to fill us in on the company's story. G'day, Mike. Welcome to the podcast and thanks for your time today. Thanks, Barry, and, and thanks for having me on your podcast. Right. I might be, um, you're well known in uh, exploration circles, but uh, for those who don't, it would be great if you could give us a bit of a professional background on yourself. Yeah, sure, Barry. Um, I've got about 25 years experience in mineral exploration and management. I'm a a geologist by trade. Um, I guess my first gig was with Western Mining when it still existed back over in WA um, around the Cambalda area, um, looking at the nickel and gold projects around the Pioneer Dome. and not long after that, I moved across and, and joined the South Australian Geological Survey, where I uh, really cut my teeth on on geology. Um, and I worked there for approximately nine years, um, and in, ended up managing the uh, the Gawler Craton team, which was an area of South Australia that uh, we're currently working in now with ITEC. So after being there for about nine years, um, I, I went out into industry and started up um, a company called. Monax Mining, uh, we did an IPO back in about 2005 uh, and made an IOCG discovery at, at Punt Hill. Um, we also then spun off a company called Marmota Energy. Um, and since then, I've been involved with other companies, ASX listed companies, Core Lithium, uh, and most recently, uh, Northern Cobalt. 
So those uh, last companies have given me a bit of exposure to the battery metals market, um, which is why I'm very excited and interested in the, the projects we have with iTech Minerals. For sure. Okay, like so many there, trained up by WMC. And uh, Geological Survey, obviously, uh, the background there gives you a great feel for what's available to ex- go exploring for in South Australia. Now, Mike, um, before we jump into the projects, it'd be great if you could uh, fill us in uh, around this excitement building over KLN and Halosite beyond the traditional applications of, you know, paper coating, ceramics and paints. Sure, Barry. Um so, yeah, I, like you say, the traditional applications are paper coating and ceramics, which have re- relatively low capex to get into. Um, but what we're really interested in are the technological applications of it. So um, mainly the production of high-purity alumina, uh, and that really, w- with using kaolin and doing a hydrochloric acid leach of kaolin, it's a new disruptive technology that's being um, entertained by a number of companies in the ASX space at the moment. Um, and, and the reason that's being entertained is that it has the opportunity to make HPA or high purity alumina a lot more cost effective. So the traditional method of making it was by producing aluminium metal and then converting the aluminium metal back to an aluminium oxide, uh, which was the high purity alumina. And that was very um, expensive and time consuming process. So by converting um, the kaolin, leaching out the aluminium oxide and converting that to high-purity alumina, uh, it, it's a lot more cost-effective, so hopefully bringing down the costs of production of HPA, which is really what needs to happen for it to be incorporated into uh, technological applications. So um, one of the main technological applications is in the um, as the separator in lithium-ion batteries, so currently, quite often, they use polymers, which um, don't have a lot of strength to separate the anode and the cathode. And if you get a puncture between those two, you get a shorting, which can create the um, create a problem with the battery, obviously, and cause it to, to burn and explode and that sort of thing. And you don't want those things happening in electric vehicles. So by using HPA as a separator, it's a lot tougher, a lot stronger, and has a very high melting point. So it makes these um, lithium-ion batteries a lot safer. Um, and I guess some of the other applications we're looking at are for haloisite. Um, haloisite is another form of kaolin. There's two forms. One of them is as hexagonal plates, which is what we're normally used to dealing with, and that's what they use in the, the paper coating um, industries. But haloisite, I like to describe it as a, as a rolled-up tube of paper, but as a on a microscopic scale. Um, and because it's this really small rolled up tube, it has a lot of technological applications. So you can use it, um, I, I guess, as a fillet, um, as a replacement in a lot of things such as concrete, um, in plastics, like you do in the f- uh, fibers of fiberglass, um, and it creates strength. Uh, there are other applications where you can fill the hollows inside of those tubes with various chemicals um, and then cause a slow release. So you can use it in biomedical applications where you can put cancer-fighting drugs inside those tubes. And um, haloisite is um, a very benign substance. It's safe to ingest. Um, so you can have a slow release of those cancer-targeting chemicals in your bloodstream, um, which is a very new and modern application. Um, and the same goes for um, agricultural uses. You can put in pesticides and fertilizers and other things inside these tubes. and and um and have a slow release application so 
you know, there's been over a thousand papers published on the potential applications of of site. so that's something that we're very interested in exploring right uh first up though would um hba be the focus for you from a production potential look yeah i, I think um the technology behind hpa um is well while a lot of companies have said they've got their own ip attached to it quite often that's very specific to their deposit style and the chemistry of their uh kaolin deposit the the chemistry behind it is quite open um and um available to most companies to develop so we would be looking at first proving up the resources uh defining areas of high purity kaolin and then getting the testing uh, underway and beneficiation processes and pilot plants underway for HPA. So um, being in the lithium uh, lithium ion battery space, that would probably be our first focus, yeah. Right, okay. Uh, good time to jump into the projects. Um, what have you got in terms of uh, projects in uh, HPA uh, or kaolin and haloisite? Um, so we've got two main project areas. Um, probably the most advanced is in a, a geological region which is little known called the Necker Arc um, in the east of South Australia, and that's called our Franklin Project. That was initially explored by Archer Materials uh, just a couple of years ago, um, and they defined quite a large exploration target out there um, in the order of you know 40 to 95 million tonnes at 30 to 36% aluminium oxide, which is a very large exploration target. And importantly, they identified widespread site as part of that, that project. So um, we'll be going over there and um, doing some more drilling to try to work up a, a mineral resource and, again, assess the quality of the kale and how pure it is, how much site's there, um, and what the, the technological applications might be. Um, the other group of assets we have in the the Kaolin space are on the Air Peninsula. Um, and that's about 130 k's away from where Andromeda Metals are working out towards the west. Um, yeah. and, and we're focused in sort of central to, to eastern Air Peninsula. And we have a couple of projects there, one called Ethiopia, where we know we've got nice, white, pure Kaolin um, over a large area that was drilled by um, Adelaide Resources uh, back in about 2007. Um, they never tested for kaolin. They were looking for uranium thorium back in the day. Um, but we've got those samples and we've submitted them for testing and should ho have those results back shortly. Uh, and the other project is another one called Caraloo Bluff. Um, and while that, that's pretty early stage, but we've got a couple of drill holes there over five kilometres apart that have very bright white kaolin in, the, kaolin in them um, with a high yield. Um, and that they've previously been tested for clay by um, other explorers back in the 70s, uh, but it was never taken any further. So, um, it, you know, if that proves to have some consistency, that could be a pretty big, big exploration play for us. For sure. Okay. Um, have you been able to make some sort of assessment that, you know, the database you've been able to assemble from the work done by Archer over time, what uh, what that would be in today's dollars? I'm just trying to get a feel for this. I mentioned earlier that uh, you're not the average explorer in the sense that you've uh, you've got the benefit of the previous work by Archer. Yeah, so we, we've been back through the records to try and assess that as well. And look, ballpark figure, I would say between 10 and $14 million so far um, has been spent on the projects getting them up to the the level they are um so not only the they sort of 
I guess in the shorter term, had been looking at Heloisite Kalen um, prior to them going into quantum computing, but they had done a lot of work on the graphite project on the Air Peninsula, um, right through to beneficiation, um, getting a mining lease granted, and um, potential technological applications. So, yeah, there's a lot of work that has been done, and we're inheriting all of that, um, plus all of the samples that they've collected, which they've got stored in a warehouse here in South Australia. So we're very, very lucky to be able to acquire all that material. Mm, okay. Now, you just uh, in passing mentioned the graphite there, uh, Air Peninsula, uh, the main deposit there is a Campuna, is it? Yes, that's correct, yeah. Um, eight and, I think you've got the 8.5 million tonne at 9% total graphitic carbon um, uh, estimate there. Is uh, is there more scale to it than that or is that the uh, well, the sum total of it at this stage? So, so yeah, that, um, that resource is across three individual deposits mm-hmm. um, and each of those, um, having gone back and looked at them, have quite a bit of potential to be extended along strike and at depth. So the graphite in the Air Peninsula tends to occur along long linear features and um, Archer Flute Airborne Electromagnetics, which responds well to, to graphite mineralisation. And we can see from where they've drilled on each of those three individual deposits, um, the, the electromagnetic response extends quite significantly along strikes. So for, for kilometres, you know, um, there's probably a 12 kilometre strike extent uh, around Campuna and, and similar um, up further to the north at a deposit we've got called Wilklow South. So, you know, I think we're really just scratching the surface of those deposit sizes. Um, and one of our aims will be to, to to build those resources up relatively quickly. Mm. Do you see it being targeted towards the, uh, you know, the historic industrial applications of uh, graphite or more the uh, spherical graphite for uh, battery anodes or perhaps even graphene? Um I think our main aim will be to add as much value as possible and to do that we'll be looking at the spherical graphite markets and also the graphene markets. Um, One of the advantages we have at Campuna in particular is the graphite is of high structural integrity which means that the flakes of graphite, the crystalline graphite, don't have many defects in them and that allows us to make spherical graphite a lot more efficiently um, and also graphene a lot more efficiently. Um, And I I guess one of the the benefits is while you can um, go to the jumbo flake size uh, to get higher prices for basket graphite, um, it's a lot easier to get smaller graphite sizes from these styles of deposits. So that's a lot more amenable to producing graphene and, and spherical graphite. So that really is the, the path that I think that we'll be, we go, we'll be going down. Mm. That whole uh, graphite space, uh, everyone's been focused on lithium, of course, at the moment, lithium uh, boom mark two. Graphite's been, uh, been doing quite nicely as well. Yeah, we, it has picked up recently. Um, and, you know, probably very good timing for iTech. Uh, I think what happened with Archer was, um, like you mentioned, lithium too. There was a, a dip in the the battery metals markets a while ago, and which caused Archer to, um, I guess, put a pause on the development of these projects and head into the quantum computing space, where they've done amazing things. You know, mm. they've taken that that company from a market cap of ten fifteen million to 
um, you know, 400 million plus on the basis of their quantum computing technology, but they couldn't really focus on doing both that and uh, advancing the mineral resources as well, which is where they brought iTech in. Um, and, and while, you know, they had a lot of hope for advancing their mineral resources, um, we've been able to pick them up again at a time where both the, the, you know, the graphite, the lithium and other battery metal prices have increased dramatically and the demand has as well. So, yeah, I think it's very good timing for us to, to undertake this IPO and, and hit the ground running. And uh, Archer shareholders uh, to receive shares in uh, iTech on a in, through a in species distribution. Um, so they'll be continuing uh, involvement by shareholders, should they wish, of course. Yes. So um, we've issued Archer a payment of approximately 50 million shares for all of their tenements. Um, they are doing an in-species distribution of all of those shares out to their shareholders as the you know the shareholders owned the tenements in the first place so True. it was mm-hmm. the, um a very you know pr- appropriate thing to do for by archer um so we then acquire a, a large shareholder base and we've given a priori- priority offer to those archer shareholders and they have been very supportive so far in our ipo um, something like 60%, 65% of the funds that have come in so far uh, and come in quickly um, are from those Archer shareholders under the priority offer. Um, so we were very, very pleased with the support that they've been giving us. Mm, no, it's been a nice bit of uh, value creation for them too, given the the focus on uh, by Archer on, the, well, an area I've got no understanding of, but obviously very important going forward. Now, the prospectus does talk about... Uh, some copper, gold, silver um, interest in the uh, portfolio. One that attracted my eye was um, this reference to uh, a permissive uh, track theory um, and mention of uh, Thursday's Gosson over here in Victoria and then tracing all the way back up into uh, South Australia. Um, what's what's the theory there? Yeah, so I hadn't worked much in that area uh, of the NACA arc because, um, as I mentioned before, my main area of focus and um, experience was in the Gawler Craton, which is over on the Air Peninsula and further to the north. But as I got to read about the Archer tenements, um, I came across a report by the United States Geological Survey where they were looking at um, this zone where they thought there was high potential for porphyry copper gold deposits that really hadn't been tested to a large degree. Um, and so we pulled the, the GIS packages from the United States Geological Survey and um, overlaid them onto where the Archer tenements occurred. And sure enough, um, some of the, the tenements in the northern part of that domain fall well within that permissive tract. And uh, investigating it a bit further, there's a number of different locations there and, and historical, um, I, I guess, not deposits, but um, prospects that have very convincing uh, copper gold porphyry characteristics. Um, so we thought that, you know, while we're in the area over there at Franklin looking for Heloisite kaolin and we've got a drill rig, it wouldn't hurt to test some of this potential. Um, I mean, Staveley do, are doing very well down in the south. It's essentially the same geology where we are. Um, so we think it's worth having a crack while we've got a drill rig over there uh, to test some of this potential. Mm. It's a part of the world where the rare earths uh, potential of the clays is uh, creating some interest too. Is there any rare earth potential on your tenements? We, we believe so. Um, quite often um, you come across these IAD deposits, which are iron adsorption deposits, which are rare earths, which are attached to clays. Now, um, 
obviously we're dealing with clays, we're dealing with haloisite and kaolinite. Um, we've had a preliminary look at some of the uh, rare earths attached to the clays um, and are getting indications that they are enriched in rare earths. So it's something that's very early stages for us yet, but we're very excited about um, is that both on the Nacra Arc and the Air Peninsula, we know that we've got rare earth bearing granites um, in the hard rock underneath, and that's what yeah. you really need as a source for these rare earths to be liberated and then um, weakly attached to the clays. Um, so, yeah, that's something that we're going to be looking at um, post-listing, uh, and we'll probably be able to update the market pretty soon uh, after listing as to what we come up with on that front. Oh, exciting. Okay. Assuming the uh, we get the uh, listing away in late October, what should investors look out for in the early months from the company? Um, we're very lucky in that across a couple of the projects, the Franklin um, Haloisite Kalanite project in the Nacra Arc, we have been sampling down at the South Australian Core Library, some historical drilling that's been done there. Those samples are going in for analysis for Kalan and Haloisite and we should have those results back shortly um, post-listing. That's something to keep an eye on. Um, and we're doing the same over on the Air Peninsula. There was essentially a drilling program done by Adelaide Resources in 2007 that I mentioned before. Um, all those samples have been preserved in the Core Library, and we've been able to sample those, and they've been put in for analysis um, for their clay content, um, rare earth content, and a number of other things. So. Um, you know, without even really having to get a drill rig on the ground, we'll have the results of two drilling programs very early on. Um, mm. And and follow-up drilling is in um, in very advanced stages of planning at the moment. So um, our notification to landowners is well underway. Um, so, yeah, um, keep an eye out for the drill rigs on the ground um, before the end of the year as well. Right. Okay, there we go, folks. An interesting one. From a part of the world that uh, in exploration terms uh, most of us uh, – Overlook, but exciting developments in uh, kale and halosite and uh, rare earths, perhaps, and uh, a few other things to watch uh, gold, copper, who knows. So, Mike, an interesting one to watch in uh, coming months once you uh, get listed. So we look forward to uh, seeing you join the ASX and uh, wish you all the best. Thanks very much, Barry, and thanks for your time to uh, let me talk to your listeners today. Good on Cheers, man. This episode of the Explorers podcast was sponsored by RM Corporate Finance, an active participant in emerging companies around the globe.